I'm Jared, and welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then have a seat with an open mind and a full glass as I examine reality through the blurry lens of my own individual perspective. Have an ice cold sip while I talk about grief. Hello, Steeps. Welcome back to another episode of A Cup of Tea. Today is Halloween, Halloween 2022. And you know what that also means? It means it is the eve of the Day of the Dead. And with the Day of the Dead coming up tomorrow for me, I also wanted to kind of circle back on a topic that is partially the reason why I've been on a three month or so hiatus from this podcast, almost three month hiatus from this podcast. And that is the concept of grief, the concept of death, of reconciling someone's passing. And that's something that I never felt comfortable talking about on this podcast, only because I was naive to it. I never knew what grief was like, what it meant to lose somebody close to me, because there were deaths that had happened in my family before, but I was very young and I didn't even process it because I didn't know what it was. And the people that I lost weren't particularly close to me. I never really interacted with them much, so I didn't really miss them as much because I didn't know what I was missing. But finally, life has a way of striking you at some point with an experience that is shared across humanity, an experience like grief and death and trauma, something that everybody at some point, one way or another experiences, these are common shared experiences. You know, there might be some things in life that only happen to a select few individuals, like winning the lottery or getting that dream job or finding your soulmate. That may only happen to a select few individuals, but grief is something that is shared because it's inherent to the concept of family and your social network. But let me let me go into some of the backstory about why I want to talk about this topic and what I went through. And, and that's kind of what I want the focus of today to be about. This iced tea, I really want to just take some time to really unload these thoughts and really just share them with you, Seeps, because you are part of my extended family here. And I wanted you to all just know what I've been going through. And I do want you to all know and understand that a cup of tea, a cot, you steeps, you have to understand it is very much alive. It is not dead <laughs> with the day of the dead approaching us. I promise you that. Um, it's just been kind of restarted here because I have had to really reconcile a lot of changes outside of having a death in the family that have really shaped me as a person. And, you know, I, I just wanted to reassure you as well that you don't have to worry about a cup of tea going anywhere. I do plan on going full force, even through the holiday season, which is something I, I usually don't do. But I do plan on churning out more episodes through the end of this year and into next year and beyond. And I, I just love doing this podcast because it's just something that I'm passionate about. I literally don't care if I have five listeners or 5,000. All of you are amazing. I cherish every single one of you for caring about my podcast to listening to my podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. And that's why I want to share this intimate experience with you all. So getting into the meat of the subject for today. So it's October 31st, 2022 for me at this moment. And it's been a little over two months since the passing of my grandfather, Bill. 
And I wanted to talk about what this experience was. And, and, and to do that, I'll kind of give some backstory about my grandfather. So my grandfather is somebody that throughout my life, at least the early stages of my life, I wasn't particularly close to. I mean, I, I saw him for family gatherings and things like the holidays, like Thanksgiving, Christmas maybe, but never really saw him a lot. Never really had a, a super close relationship with him. I, I did know who he was and what he looked like, and I did interact with him on those occasions, but was never super close to him. Then some changes happened in the overall family dynamic in, in my family and started talking with him more. It used to be more phone calls throughout like high school and early college and just kind of checking in with life and learning a bit more about him and his backstory and where he came from because he did come from Europe overseas and just his experiences of coming to the Valley of the Sun and growing up and, and being a rebel, which is this classic story. So I, I loved getting to hear all the all the things that he had to say about his life starting here in the 50s, which is quite incredible considering most people never even heard about Phoenix, Arizona until probably much later than that. We weren't even on the map at that point, really, barely, I would say. But, you know, sharing those memories and, and getting to hear about who he is and who he was and growing more respect for him and understanding who he really is and, and developing and cultivating that relationship and, and giving him an insight into what I was going through at the time transitioning from high school to college, which was a very difficult time for me as I've shared on this podcast before and going forward beyond that. So we, we started to develop this relationship and it was really great. And then about the time that I met my future wife, Antasia, is actually about the time that we started to physically interact more. And my great-grandmother actually moved out of the house they were living in, so my grandpa was living alone. And my mom, who is an angel, I do have to say she's an absolute angel for doing this and for many other things that I don't have time to get into on this podcast, but she pretty much took the initiative to say, like, Dad, you took care of me for so many years. I'm going to give it back to you and I'm going to be your caretaker until the day that you die. And what went into that is, for context, my, my grandfather lived literally on the other side of town. I won't get into the specifics, but he literally lived on the other side of town. And it took literally an hour for my mom to get to him, for anyone to get to him. But you know what? She made the effort and I give her so much credit for that because during a time where I was focused on building relationships with friends and especially building a beautiful relationship with my future wife and I was really focusing a lot of my energy and, and effort into that. But during this time, my mom was focusing most of her energy and effort at that time into her relationship with her dad and taking care of her dad, going over, cleaning, cooking doing all the things to make sure that he is healthy and being nourished and taken care of and taking him to doctor's appointments and follow-ups and also making sure to take him out for some occasional recreation, taking him out for a nice meal and bringing him back over to my parents' house so that we can actually see him and hang out with him. And, and that went on for some time. I would say at least for a good three to four years solid, we were we, we could count on every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, we'd see Grandpa. My dad called him Pops. 
We would see him every holiday season. We would even see him outside of that. Sometimes we would hang out the house outside of the holidays. We would actually meet him for meals quite often, even just me and my wife uh, back when we were dating and recently engaged, we would go to just meet him. Even if my parents were involved, we would meet him halfway back when he was still driving. And it was great. Things were things were going really well. He got to witness the birth of our first child, our daughter, Aubrey, which was amazing and incredible. He was at the hospital for that. And we were just we were all so blessed to share all those great memories together. I, I actually remember my my favorite memory ever of getting close to and spending time with my grandfather was actually my college graduation. He came along with my parents, along with my grandma and my uncle Robbie and my in-laws came and just, it was, it was a really wonderful time, but I just remember my grandfather being there and it, he just, he had the time of his life. You know, he, of course he wasn't walking like he used to back in the day, but he, he was getting around. He saw me walk up on that stage, take that degree. He saw me afterwards. We took pictures before the graduation ceremony took place. We exchanged hugs and um, pleasantries after the graduation ceremony took place. And then we all went out for a nice big family dinner afterwards. We went to Benihana and we had a great time and it, it was just so much fun because all of us, you, you know how big those Benihana tables are. For any of you who live stateside or near proximity to a Benihana restaurant, I'm sure you know. But yeah, we, we had a great time. We, we sat around this big table, you know, and, and watched our meal get prepared in front of us, teppanyaki style. It was incredible. All the effects, all the flair, all the drinks, all the foods. And even my grandpa said it, it was like, what, like probably like nine or 10 o'clock when dinner ended. And he was just raving about like, <laughs> he he never stays up that late, Steeps. Like he, he never stay up that late. Like he would be a man that would get to bed no later than six o'clock. That, and that's late for him. It would be more like five or 5.30. And it was so late, but he's like, he was like, Jared, I had the time of my life. He was like, he just would not stop raving about how much fun that moment was. And it was immediately followed up by a really traumatic moment in our family, which is when my parents decided to move to Austin, Texas. And I, I know I've talked about that before. I, I know that that could probably be a, a whole episode in of itself. And maybe at some point I'll revisit that. Um, who knows, maybe when I do go back to Austin, I could talk about the contrast between those experiences. But I mean, it was traumatic, of course, because my parents had planned to move my grandfather out there, but they were going to wait it out and see first to make sure that they were going to stay there. Spoiler alert, they did not end up staying because they only stayed for six months. And halfway through that is actually when we found out that we were expecting Aubrey. And that was pretty much the that was the moment that my mom, who already was hating Austin, knew that they were going to have to move back. So obviously they didn't follow through with anything about moving my grandfather out there. But again, because there was a delay, my grandfather was here alone with just me and my then fiance for six months. And we did go over there and we saw him at his house and we did bring him over for the holidays and all that stuff. And we actually had a really fun Christmas that year, just us three hanging out because remember back then our, our daughter or son neither of them were in the picture yet so had a very small family then <laughs> but we had a good time 
but but yeah I, I do remember that that was a difficult time because obviously my grandfather was doing more for himself because with my job and everything I wasn't able to really go over and support him the same way that my mom did so I remember that when my mom came back that it was kind of like okay it's game time like she knew that coming back to Arizona also meant reestablishing that level of support and going over there regularly and that's also about the time that my grandfather started to show signs of deteriorating um, in his physical form and I remember for the next like three to four years is when just it felt like every year he was taking a little bit of a step backwards and just was starting to be in pain all the time and discomfort all the time and my mom did everything she could for that man for my grandfather taking him to all the doctor's appointments all the specialist appointments really trying to make sure he had everything he needed to be comfortable investing in his health he actually was forced out of his house by his own daughter who actually took ownership of the property assumed it after the death of my great-grandmother and when he was forced out my mom actually helped him with securing funds from his pension to pay for rent at a place and also helping find him a place that was very close to us a senior living community where he was going to thrive for the next few years and really enjoy himself and enjoy his last days and and he really cultivated some really special relationships out there some people that like my mom actually grieved with herself when he passed because he was a beloved member of that community and was loved by everybody practically everybody that lived there so and it, it was a great community for him it was a great spot for him but again as i'd mentioned his condition had started to deteriorate and at this point once we got into the current year 2022 he was in a scooter because he could not really walk up on his own not far distances at least not without a lot of discomfort and pain um, he struggled with his balance among other things and he had two pets he had a dog named Dieter who he loved so much but was a little reckless <laughs> and he had a cat Aspen who was very chill laid back just kind of did his own thing and those were his kids like he he had made it very clear that he like he would rather he was the type of of individual and i know a lot of elders also feel the same way but he was the type of individual that he would rather be independent on his own and have his pets his boys rather than living with my parents fully supervised, fully supported, no pets, or in some type of assisted living facility with no pets. Like he expressed that time and time again. He said himself that he could not imagine being in a situation where he didn't have his pets or living on his own. He was very independent, very strong-minded, very strong-willed, and I respected him a lot for that. So, and my mom respected his wishes. She did everything that she could to make sure that he had the resources to be successful, living on his own and having his pets granted did he always take her advice or take after what she said no he didn't but again i mean in a way the elderly are kind of like toddlers <laughs> in the sense where they know what the right thing is to do and they're given all the tools to be successful by their caretakers but they don't always accept them and that's no fault to the caretaker at the end of the day you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We've all 
heard that old adage, right? That old idiom, at least if you live in America or in some anglicized country. That is, you know, very classic phrase that you would say. But, but yeah, I mean, it's that kind of situation where my grandfather had all the tools to succeed. But at the end of the day, he was the one in the driver's seat. He was the one making those decisions. And for someone who had been working in a very rough blue collar career and for most of his life and had smoked his entire life, he already was at a bit of a disadvantage health wise. Like he he had been clearly showing signs of his body deteriorating and and going um, and getting less and less capable with each passing year. I remember the last moment in person that I shared with my grandfather was actually right after the birth of my son Jonah. He came over with my parents and we had a really fun time. We had lunch. My daughter Aubrey was trying to show off to everybody, playing with her toys and making everybody fake meals that she told everyone they couldn't eat. And we just, we had a great time. And I I just still remember, I have pictures and I remember the look on my grandfather's face, seeing Jonah for the first time, how he was looking at him, holding him in his arms. It was such a beautiful moment. It's just one of those moments that you could never trade in for anything else. I, I mean, we're talking a tremendous generation and age gap. I mean, my grandfather was born back, you know, during the war, <laughs> practically. And seeing him hold Jonah, a brand new little boy, just the contrast there alone, it's just the stuff that families are made for, right? Just getting to see that evolution over time, it's a beautiful thing. And getting to see the connection between the young and the old is so graceful. And I will never forget that moment. My mom cherishes that moment, as do I, as do as does the rest of the family cherishes that moment. So, and he would not, <laughs> he, he would not and he could not take his eyes off of him. Jonah the whale, as he called him, was the most precious thing in this world at that time. But on the flip side, my grandfather had been expressing for a while that he was just always in pain and he never felt like he was like really enjoying life much anymore. And of course, everyone at the end of their life, they get to that point where they just feel like, you know, they've reached the end or they they know that the end is coming. And it's a really weird thing. Again, it kind of crosses the line into one's like beliefs about the afterlife, spirituality. My grandfather had been actually, I found out after his death that he had been seeing his wife and his mother for months. And I didn't even know about that. And that's a commonly reported occurrence among people who were close to death's door. They start to see those beyond the gates, beyond the pearly gates, whatever you believe in, who have passed on previously, they, they see those people and they remember them and they're, they're almost like acting as a beacon to this afterlife, whatever it may be, if it indeed exists, right? And I just remember, you know, after the fact hearing about that in combination with the fact that he was just, you know, not really enjoying life as much as he used to because he was always in pain, I mean, the writing was on the wall, that at some point his time was nearing an end. And I think that all of us, while we knew it, and we were trying to make the most of our last days with him, I don't think any of us realized how difficult it actually was going to be when he did indeed pass. Now I will say, 
I'm very glad that he got to meet my son Jonah. That was like one of the most important things to me. I did not want my grandfather to leave this world without meeting Jonah. And it was so important that he got to have that moment with him. But from there, I mean, like I just said, I mean, I think that the writing was on the wall. We knew that his time was going to be up soon. We just didn't know how, when, where, why, all the specifics, of course. And you never know. You just never know. It's, it's really... I think death sometimes is portrayed as like sometimes like okay you know someone dying of natural causes they kind of go into this hospice care they they have a countdown almost like you know how many days they have left okay they, they don't have a lot of time left come in say your last words say your goodbyes and not that it's super prescribed like that for everybody but I feel like a lot of times it's how it's portrayed in the media right that you know death isn't always sudden that it's like when someone dies of natural causes it's very gradual you kind of have those last moments with that loved one and you really kind of close the book right well at least in our case and i'm sure a lot of other individuals cases a lot of other families cases that was not how it played out for us it was indeed very sudden and very much not gradual as i'm sure a lot of us would want at least idealistically whether or not that makes the pain any more any less the jury's out on that one. We, we don't really know for sure, but it, it kind of just depends on the death itself. I personally don't think it makes a difference how sudden or gradual it is. I think death is death, how I see it, and you're going to process it the same way because at the end of the day, that person is no longer here. They're no longer with us, and it, it's just a matter of how much time do you have to reconcile this before they actually pass, right? If you know that somebody that you love is going to die soon, you have more time to process that before they actually die. But you go through the same stages of grief and likely you will continue to grieve after that loved one passes. If it's sudden, the grief kicks in right away and you kind of have to reconcile it in that moment and you have a lot more time after the death that you have to process it. So it's really just a timing thing. But I mean, how it played out for us like I said, it was very sudden. It was determined to be a death by natural causes. My grandfather went out for a walk in his scooter with his dog, never came back. The day before his passing would have been the day that my mom would have went over to check in on him, but she didn't go because that was actually the day that they were moving, of course. So she just called him. She called him that evening, checked in on him. He was doing well, said goodnight said they loved each other, and then went about their business. My grandfather went to sleep. My mom kept on with completing stuff for the move. Then the next day comes, and then again, that's when my mom was doing those well-being checks. He wasn't answering, and they were wrapping up stuff with the move and getting their internet set up, so my mom was giving him, you know, at least like an hour between calls, checking in. After not hearing anything back, she drove over there. And she had done this numerous times. And there's actually a few times that she found him, like he fell over, injured himself, or maybe he like had taken a medication and he reacted to it in a way where he fell. And there were a lot of different scenarios that could have come up. And there were a few scenarios, like I said, where he actually was in need of help and she was always there for him. She saved him quite a few times going over there and being there at the right place, at the right time, just based off of that intuition that she had, knowing that he needed help if she didn't hear back. But way more often than not, my mom also recognized that 
a lot of times she would check in with him and he would actually just be playing cards or seeing a friend or out on a walk. So it wasn't really a big deal if she went to his place and he wasn't there, which was the case. She went by his place. He wasn't there. Okay. So she went by and checked all the places at his community that he would usually be and he wasn't there. So my mom was like, okay, where could he be? And then that's when she went to the edge of the community on the outskirts where my grandfather would usually take a walk and she called out and she heard Dieter. She heard grandpa's dog, but it sounded like he was in distress. And she followed that call. And, and, and let me let me preface it with this. So before I, I get into the details, if, if this is something that, I'll, I'll give a little disclaimer here. If this is something that makes you uncomfortable, please feel free to skip ahead maybe about like two minutes just want to give that disclaimer but i am um, you know basically with, with the findings and everything but essentially my mom found my grandpa laying in this wash area by the path that he would usually walk on and he was just laying down on his side next to his scooter and he was cold to the touch and he was blue and she had lost it at that moment and she was just i mean of course she called 911 right away but it was too late he was gone and that was just something really difficult for her to process i remember she called me hysterical i i i couldn't even make out i could barely make out what she was saying like she was so hysterical so worked up could not stop crying was hyperventilating and i was like I, I remember when I got the call, I was literally in the middle of a work call. I had to tell, like, because my mom was blowing me up and she never does this. And I'm like, well, I have to take this call because, like, I had already said, like, okay, I can't talk right now. What is it? She called me again. I knew I had to take it. And because she texted me 911, I'm like, okay, well, this has to be an emergency. What, what happened with Grandpa? I thought maybe he fell and he was going to the hospital or something like that because I, it was never this bad of news. It was just maybe something had happened. So I told my work colleagues, I, I got to step out. Let me get to this. And she told me that he was gone. I remember the first words that she had told me was, Grandpa's gone. And I was just like, what? Like, I, I, again, this is just something that seeps. Like, my wife and I even knew. We had talked about this months and months before it actually happened. Like, we knew we're like, Grandpa doesn't have a lot of time left. Like we really have to make the most of the time that he has left because we we just felt like he was nearing the end of his days. Like he just was not really showing the same pep in the step. He wasn't having the same enthusiasm and he was up there in years and obviously he was still smoking and everything. And we just really wanted to make the most of those last days that he had. But I mean, the best word to describe it was just complete shock. The feeling, like, when I first was told that he was dead was just complete shock. Like, I could not, like, I literally, when I tell you, Steeps, like, that first, like, hour or two, I could not even process it. Like, I didn't shed a tear. I wasn't mad. I wasn't sad. Like, I was just, like, I, I literally, I couldn't even focus on work beyond that point. Like, I got back to work. And I just, I, I caught myself routinely staring out into space because I just was not, like, it wasn't clicking in my mind, like, what had just happened. And so I finally get off this call for work. I shut it down as quickly as I can. And I 
talk to my mom again and she was giving me more, more details and again i was still just in complete shock all i could do was shake that's all i could do i just i wasn't really handling it that well and i talked to my dad and my dad found out what happened and he was in disbelief completely and i remember i went over to my wife afterwards and i started finally talking about him being gone and then that's when the waterworks came in and I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It just hit me all at once. I'm like, he's not going to see the kids again. He's not going to see us again. He's not going to see our family grow up. He's never going to have another holiday with us. My mom is just a mess because my, my grandfather was a big part of my mom's life. I mean, obviously she saw him twice a week, at least every week for the last like five or six years. And she's never going to see him again, her dad. So, and of course, my dad had a close relationship with him too because they're they're buddies and in-laws and everything. But yeah, it, it finally hit me at that moment. And my wife consoled me. And granted, this is already a very difficult time for us because literally the weekend before, like her dad was in town visiting from out of state and we had just been very stressed out because my car broke down and I had a lot going on with work and there's just a lot of life stress present for me in that moment even the week prior and I did have a little bit of a breakdown and my wife had to support me and I, I really appreciated her getting me through that moment and then my car gets fixed the life stressors kind of work themselves out beginning of the following week leading into Monday I'm feeling pretty good and then Thursday is when he dies and he passes on. So, and I just start crying again. And I even told my wife, I'm like, I am so sorry that you've had to see me such an emotional mess lately. It's just in the span of a week, actually, if you think about it, just having to deal with the stress of family coming in from out of town and car breaking down and work being a ton. And then my grandfather passes. I'm like, of course, there's just, and then, my, and, and not to mention my birthday was literally like weeks after when he died so I just I was not really having a good time at all and I remember after kind of calming down with my wife and, and kind of processing the emotions myself that's when I knew I had to get over there right away so I swung over, picked up my dad, because my, my parents only have one car and my mom was already over there. We drove over to my grandpa's place and the officer was luckily there consoling her the whole time. I mean, it was honestly the least that he could have done. So I'm glad at least he was there to do that. But we get in, officer leaves, and when I tell you, Steeps, that I have never in my life seen my mom this much of a wreck, I mean it. Like, going through this grief process, I actually recommend anybody who's experienced grief, listen to the song Wrecked by Imagine Dragons. It is so good. Not only is it just a really good song, but it really paints the picture so eloquently and beautifully about what it means to lose someone and go through this process, even if you're looking from the outside in, or if you're the one experiencing it. I just would really recommend it because that is the song that comes to my mind when I think about when I saw my mom for the first time after she lost my grandfather. It was just really hard to see her like that. And I remember my dad and I hugged her for what felt like an hour. And she was just sobbing uncontrollably. And 
even after we let up from the hug, she just pretty much collapsed and she was saying that she didn't know how she was going to keep going after this. Like she had lost like her person and she would, she wanted to preface it with like, you know, like, of course I still have you know my husband and my son and I love you two to death. But like her dad was like her person. Like she was like, I've known him my entire life. I, I don't know how I'm going to go on like this without him. Like, I don't know what life is going to be like without him. And basically what my dad and I had to do was just continue to remind her of how special she is to us and how we knew that this day would come and we, we have to process it. We have to find a way to, to not forget about grandpa, but realize that he is gone and, and move to a, get to a point where we can like remember him in a positive light but understanding that we can't physically interact with him anymore he is no longer on this plane of existence and i i mean we knew that the message wasn't going to break through anytime soon she had just lost her person she had just lost the most important man in her life her dad her her role model somebody who had saved her numerous times throughout her life from harm and had raised her to be the woman that she is today. So it was definitely hard to see her like that. And of course, we tried to talk to her. We tried to, to make her feel better. But there's only so much you could do. When someone is going through grief, there really is the point where like, you just have to let them have their moment. There are ways of processing grief that aren't healthy. There are healthy ways to process grief. But when you're in that moment, and it's raw and it's fresh and the wound is just cut open. You have to just let them kind of figure things out a little bit for themselves at the beginning and then start to get more organized as time goes on. That's why my dad and I were trying to give those positive reinforcing messages. The officer was, the front office manager of the community was, my wife was. We all, in the coming days and weeks and month, we had done what we could to give my mom all the hugs she needed, all the love, all the support, holding her hand through this, really telling her it's going to be okay, trying to spin it in a positive light to really make her understand like, hey, it, it's going to be okay. Like nothing can erase this. Nothing can make this truly good. Like nothing can make this go away and nothing can ever make life the same but we can rebuild a new foundation. Your, your foundation has been cracked, but we can build a new foundation. We can, we can lay a new foundation and we can set upon it remembrance in a positive light. We can celebrate him. We can learn to live life without him. It, it, it is possible, although I know it's hard and I know it's not going to be the same. And that was really just a message that we had to, to really try to sell to my mom. And it, 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 it developed over time. It did. But it, it took a lot of different things getting sorted out to get there. I mean, for one, my grandfather's body had just gotten taken to the medical examiner and they had to determine the cause of death. And in that time, I kind of just looked at the situation and was like, look, my mom's not going to get any kind of closure on his death and reconciling it until we get his stuff worked out. And first and foremost, it was how do we manage the physical realm? Like he has two pets that have nowhere to go. 
He has a place full of stuff that's just sitting here. How do we get this sorted out as soon as possible? And I remember my wife and I, we, we just started taking action immediately. My wife started looking into, and, and she's an angel as well. My wife, just incredible for even just lending her support to this when it's not her grandfather. I mean, of course she loved my grandfather, but obviously this is not her family. It's my family. It's my issue to deal with. And, and she was just such a blessing she was just such an amazing person as she always has been to just just lean in head first and really help with this because she didn't have to at all and it means the world to me baby i love you i i really love everything you did to support me throughout such a difficult time because i had to carry so much weight and so much burden of my mom's just to get her through this i needed somebody of my own to be a rock and you really were there for me and i don't know how i would have gotten through that without sprouting all gray hairs if not for you so thank you but yeah basically what my wife did is she started to look into places where the pets could be rehomed i immediately went on and reserved a truck so that we can go to grandpa's place and round up his stuff and clear it out i helped to coordinate with a few different facilities nearby my grandpa's place and organize donations of his furniture of his clothes of all the things that he had that we needed to get rid of and we we made a concerted effort to do that and it kind of it kept us busy too it, it, it kept our minds off of what had just happened and for the first time in my life i also took bereavement leave because as much as work was really stressing me out and i had a lot going on and it was not a good time as nothing is that is like this ever a good time I had to tell my work straight up, I need to take this time because I am processing the death of a family member and I have things to sort out. I have business to take care of. I have amends to make. And they understood and they let me have the time off, which is very much appreciated. Again, it's the least they could have done for me. So we went in as soon as we could and we cleaned out his place. We found a home for the pets. Actually, there was somebody that took them in temporarily and they ended up keeping them full time. And then there were other people within the community that end up taking the pets after they found out that, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to work. So long story short, we found a home for the pets. We got the place cleaned out. And at the end of the day, like we got everything settled. We got everything sorted out. And... I remember that my wife actually had a great idea, which is before we went and cleaned out the place, she said, you should totally take one of grandpa's shirts and have it made into a pillow because there's shops on Etsy that, that does this. So I kind of pulled a, a stealthy move. I, I signed myself to go through grandpa's closet and go through his clothes. And I, I picked one shirt that would really represent him well, which was a motorcycle with wings on it like angel wings and i'm like that is so fitting for multiple purposes one my grandpa was a rebel he always was like he was always the type of guy in his heyday to always go against the grain do it his way and have fun two that was the first point second point he loved motorcycles like he loved motorcycles and he used to also back in his day ride motorcycles and talk about stories about riding around the grand canyon state on motorcycles with his buddies so that represented him well the third point is that of course he was no longer with us he was now an angel 
whatever you believe in, he was now, he had now moved on into the spiritual realm, whether that be in our collective subconscious, whether that be an actual dimension that we cannot interact with, he was now an angel for all intents and purposes. And I snuck that shirt off <laughs> and I, I sent it to the Etsy shop to have it made into a pillow. So, but besides that, again, we got his stuff cleared out. We got his, his place cleaned out. And my dad was a huge help with that as well. I'm really glad that he decided to lean in there and help out with that effort because we needed all the power that we could get to get through that, all the effort. And yeah, we, we got his place cleaned out and we got his keys turned in before the first of the month. So the lease was able to be terminated. We got that worked out. We heard back from the medical examiner that the cause of death was natural causes. Like they they attributed to natural causes and heat exhaustion because also it was in the summer at the time. And even though my grandpa takes walks in the morning, if he had fallen down and he was out in the sun for a prolonged period of time, then that could have been a contributing factor. However, when we actually saw his doctor for kind of that follow-up appointment where you're closing out a patient's records and delivering that death certificate, his own doctor suspected that he may have just had a heart attack. So, and in that moment, like he would have not suffered. He would not have had time to think like he would have just died like, like that. It would have been very sudden, very quick. And honestly, my, my mom and I were a little relieved by that because the last thing we wanted for grandpa was for him to suffer. If anything, we're we're hoping that it was sudden because he didn't deserve that. And my mom already beat herself up that she wasn't there for him. But we truly believe that it was his time to go because my mom is very religious. She is a Christian. She believes that the Holy Spirit takes her to places that she needs to be. And she believes that the Holy Spirit led her to my grandfather every time that he was in need. And there's a lot of times that, again, she came to his aid right at the right time. But this time, she didn't feel that feeling. And again, I don't know what any of you steeps believe, and I'm open to accepting any interpretations of this or any beliefs, but even my belief, being spiritual but not religious, I do believe that, like, it really was his time to go. And I think that just all the signs leading up to this, I, I don't think that she was really meant to go find him. I think that everybody just has a time, and we just don't know when that time is. Whether that's ordained by some higher power, or that's just the way the universe works, which is a very logical explanation as well. We don't know when we're going, just like nobody else knows when we're going. We have no idea. And we just have to reconcile that it happened. And it obviously happened for a reason. There's some bodily process or event that led to this. And we just, some obviously are easier to reconcile than others, like natural causes versus, you know, some other um, imposed cause where harm was imposed. But it, it just, it, it, it's in the past now, essentially. And, you know, you just have to deal with it at that point. But, you know, I, I just, I believe that even if my mom had went over there when she first called him, I mean, with him already having been there for quite some time, there's nothing that she could have done. 
and I just, I want my mom to know this, and I've, I've mentioned it to her plenty of times, but I just want her to always know that she did everything that she could have for my grandfather. She couldn't have done anything more for him. I truly believe that. I truly believe that she was there for him when he needed her the most. And I think that he had reached a point of contentment, and I think that he was happy with the life that he lived, and he didn't have regrets. I truly believe that. I think that he had lived with the decisions he made in the past and with what he had done up until his death. And, you know, eventually all of us, we were able to come around too. I mean, coming out of that whole week after he died of trying to sort that stuff out and finding out how he died and getting his body cremated and everything and my mom getting the ashes and all that stuff, we, we were finally able to move on. And... I would say the last chapter of this whole story of my grandfather's passing, the last step in this process of grief, this long journey of grief, was his memorial that we did. And what we did is, essentially, once the ashes came in, my mom had a beautiful, small little urn that looks like a river rock that she ordered. She had a small amount of his ashes placed in that river rock urn that she permanently sealed, that now is a fixture in their living room. And it's always a reminder of grandpa, grandpa's presence, celebrating grandpa and, and being there. And I, I thought that was just such a beautiful idea because also one of my grandpa's favorite things to do was to go to the Verde River up in um, central Arizona. And the fact that his remains are forever immortalized in a river rock was just very fitting for him and and also very fitting for the river that is time that continually presses on and pushes on and in life in a way is like a river too continuing to move in one direction with time continuing to flow until it reaches its terminus at some point which is death and it starts at some point which is birth the creation of life the creation of a river flowing all the way through until the end. So very poetic indeed. And also the pillow that I ordered with grandpa's shirt did come in and I was able to give it to my mom. And that was another piece of her reconciling his death, not just the urn, but also this pillow that now is a constant reminder of my grandpa in his attire, who he was, his personality, and also something physical and tangible in addition to the urn, which has a part of his physical body in it. But now having this pillow with one of his old shirts is like a physical embodiment of him. And my mom cherishes this pillow. When I tell you she talks to it every day like it's grandpa and she hugs it every day like it's grandpa and literally <laughs> sprays on the same axe body spray that he wore to simulate his presence it's so special to her and i could have done it without the help of my wife i really appreciated her pointing me in that direction i know my mom is going to cherish that pillow forever just like she'll cherish that urn forever and she will enshrine him in their house which is really amazing and i i love that she's able to do that but yeah, the last piece of this journey was the memorial, and we found a really good place to dump his ashes, and I won't disclose the exact location, but what I love about the spot that we chose to dump his ashes is it's very meaningful, it's very cyclical in nature, it's a very captivating spot, it draws your eye, it's serene, it's peaceful, 
and it's somewhere that my family has talked about going back there every year on that day that he passed and honoring him or at least going back at some point throughout the year each year in, in honoring him in, in one way or another, whether that means taking a walk by the spot that we dumped his ashes and having a nice meal, having a little staycation, staying overnight, driving up, driving back, whatever it may be, we thought the best thing would be to continue to remember him by having that physical location that we can go back to. And again, because like I said, because it's such a significant location, geographically, we know exactly where to come back when we want to honor him, when we want to feel closer to him, because his body will always have a presence at this place because we dumped his ashes there, or more specifically, my mom dumped his ashes there. And we watched them dissipate into the environment that he is now forever a part of, which is such a beautiful thing to be a part of nature, whether that be in a forest, whether that be in an ocean, a lake, a desert, you're just now, when, when your ashes are spread, you're now returned to nature is part of this cyclical process. And it's such a beautiful thing. And that's actually, you know, I've, I've expressed to my wife, like I, when, when I do pass on someday, like I would also want to be cremated and have my ashes spread. I think that that's such a beautiful way to, to be reintegrated with the earth and be, be whole with the earth once again. Being someone like myself, that's such an environmentalist but yeah, so that's pretty much how the story ended. We, we closed the book with sitting by the spot with my mom saying to my grandfather that she wanted to set him free, spreading his ashes. And then, I mean, my mom kept it together pretty well during that memorial trip. But when we finally had said our last words and spread the ashes, like she had a final moment throughout this process where I saw her break down in tears. And it was such an incredibly supportive moment between myself, my daughter. We were sitting right there next to my mom when she spread the ashes. And I think it was just a moment of, of pain to some extent because she knew that she had finally set his ashes free. And it was a lot of finality in that moment to deal with. So of course she was crying a lot. and. Both myself and my daughter just, and you know, my daughter's a little girl. She's not even three yet. And we just both gave her like a big hug and just showed our love, our embrace. And, and my dad and my wife were there too. And, and my son and we all were just doing what we could to provide that emotional support and that physical support being there in the moment. And, you know, once she got that out of her system, she felt good. She felt good with her decision. She loved the spot that we had mutually decided on to have be his final resting place, the place where his ashes will live forever and be part of the environment. And we went afterwards and we got a good meal as a family and, and we did not cry. We, we didn't have any sadness. We talked about grandpa in a joyful, positive, celebratory manner. And we had a really good family building experience in that moment that we will cherish forever. And that was how we put my grandfather to rest and we wrapped up the process of dealing with this grief. And of course, I do want to throw another disclaimer in there, Steeps, that grief is not, it's not meant to be handled in any one specific way. There is no ideal timeline for dealing with death. like. 
my scenario is very different from other people's scenarios. Like I can think about my grandfather without crying. I can look back on him in a positive light. Of course, it does sadden me that he's no longer with us, that he will no longer get to be a part of this family physically. But I'm content knowing that he's with me and with all of us spiritually. However that is interpreted, whatever that actually means, I do believe that his presence is still with us as we move forward in time. And my mom feels the same now too. She's very spiritual, very religious, and she has said since the memorial that she is not going to cry about him, that she is going to remember him in that positive light and leave space for her to talk to him and think about him, but process it in a healthy way. And again, not saying that crying over death and still having those moments of trauma is unhealthy, but trying to reconcile it is definitely a healthy way to go. What, however you do it, even if that means giving yourself a chance to cry, giving yourself a chance to, to think about that person, to celebrate them, whatever it means to you, grief is so individual. Like you can't prescribe any one approach to anybody with grief. And that's all I have to say. So, while it was a very long process for us, we're definitely very glad that we were able to get through it as one family. And, and I feel like we came out stronger afterwards. We, we had reconciled a lot of emotions, a lot of grief, a lot of negative emotions, a lot of pain, sadness, anger. I mean, we went through all the stages of grief because, you know, there are definitive stages of grief. How you go through it is up to you, but the stages are shared by pretty much everybody. They're very common. There's denial, which is the first stage. Anger, which is the second stage. Bargaining, which is the third stage. Depression, which is the fourth stage. And then acceptance, which is the fifth stage. Denial, when I was in complete shock and couldn't believe what just happened. Anger, when I initially had those pent up emotions about him no longer being with us and getting to grow up and be with our family anymore bargaining when you're just wanting to see that person one more time and would trade anything for that which i did have those thoughts across my mind immediately after his death like if i could just have seen him one more time have seen him before he went and then of course depression just feeling general sadness after that person goes and then finally acceptance accepting that they're no longer here but you will continue to think of that person and remember them and they'll never go away even though they may not be here in one piece physically, they will always be with you in some way, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, whatever that means to you. And that's how we processed it. And that's how I processed it. But I mean, grief is hard. It's very difficult. I, I mean, even it being someone that I didn't see every day or every week or even every month, like it was still very hard, incredibly hard for me to process. And I really, my heart goes out to all of like everyone out there who has to deal with this, all you seeps that may be dealing with grief at some point in your lives, like I, my heart goes out to you. I know how painful it is, how difficult it is. And just know that we all share a common experience in, in, at some point in our lives that is death. And we honor the dead. I mean, that is the foundation of the Day of the Dead. We honor the dead. We pay tribute to them. They never go away. They are always with us. Our loved ones are always with us. I truly believe that. I still love you, Grandpa. I cherish you. I respect you for the man that you were, for the father that you were, for the husband that you were. 
you were everything to us and our family, and you always will be. And just remember, seeps, if you're ever grief-stricken and you're feeling these negative emotions and you need help processing them, just understand that there's people that have went through this. There are resources out there to support you. Get that support to get you through those difficult moments. Thanks for listening to Grief. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please subscribe for the latest freshly brewed ice cold content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.